Thank you for being with us. So we invite you back to John 17. John 17, going to especially uh, <clears throat> be going into verse 2, verse 3 of this uh, great prayer <clears throat> that Jesus prays. We've been looking at the concept of Jesus and uh, praying about the glory of God. Dr. Gary shared a little bit about that this morning in the Bible study. I, I strongly admonish you and encourage you to come to these outstanding Bible studies, if you have the opportunity at 9.30, it's a rich, deep study in Ephesians, and uh, you won't regret coming and sitting under the teaching of one of the great, uh, really one of the great teachers we have in the holiness movement, blessed. <clears throat> but Jesus has been talking about this glory, and we've been, what is it that allows God to show up? I, 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 need, I need him to show up in my life. I need his presence today uh, in this camp. And I need his presence in my life. And so we've seen the desperate dependence that Jesus has. It's in dependence that God shows up. We've seen yesterday morning, it's in giving. God is a giving God. And in giving, in being the uh, conduit of his, his giving, his flow to others and seeing people as, as his gifts, he shows up. And this element, this fascinating element in these verses of time, God, God has shown up in our time. I'm fascinated with time. <clears throat> I've always had this fascination with it, I guess. Uh, when I was young, I, 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 I wanted time to go by more quickly. Was anybody in a hurry to grow up? Anybody? Does anybody still feel that way? I was young and I couldn't wait for it to go faster and, and now I can't wait for it. I want it to slow down and uh, I'm confused, you know. But this thing of time that Jesus, God showed up in our time and, and we saw it all throughout the Old Testament, of course, where God was involved and God was always present and, and yet God operated above time. There's an amazing dynamic of God operates above all time. And yet when, when, in Jesus, he, he took on this flesh and he became one of us in every way. Truly, he's 100% man. And he entered into, into our time. He's not only above time, he's in time with us now. And in and, and being in time, Jesus, he did something. He, something happened in, in time when Jesus became one of us. He, he forever changed the dynamic of time. And I'd like to look at that with you a little bit this morning. He's transformed it. Again, just up to verse one for, con for context. He spoke these words. He lifted his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And Lord Jesus, we are humbled and grateful that we don't simply communicate to a God today who is above time. We cry out to you today who are with us here in our time you're in our day, you're in our hours, you're in our minutes. 
And Jesus, you care about every single second. And at times we sing, I need thee every hour, but the truth is we need thee every second. And so this morning, Jesus, thank you so much that you've already been so present in this service and you are on the hill and you are in the children's tabernacle and the youth tabernacle. And this morning we ask you to just be ever present and demonstrate it here in your name, amen. How did Jesus change time? What is different about time since Jesus came and he became one of us? One of the things that is obvious in the life of Jesus, we see it again in the prayer, is that Jesus' focus was not on the time, mine is, I don't know about you. Anybody here a time watcher? I'm a time watcher. I'm always, I, I don't wear a watch anymore, so you see me pulling out my cell phone all the time to check what time it is. First thing I do when I go preach in a new church is to spot out where is that clock in the sanctuary. I'm a time watcher. But Jesus wasn't a time watcher as much as he was constantly, you know this, he was constantly aware of the Father, wasn't he? It can't get away from the fact of how Jesus was so amazingly, astoundingly, in every minute of his existence, he was never unaware of the Father. It's an amazing thing how Jesus was, no matter if he was walking on the road or he was eating a meal or he was preaching or doing any number of miracles with his disciples, sleeping, whatever, Jesus was constantly aware, his constant focus, we already talked, his desperate dependence, since he was so dependent on the Father, he was constantly aware of the Father, constantly communicating to, listening to, sensitive to, engaged with, aware of the Father. That, that maybe explains a phrase in verse one that a little bit puzzled me. As Jesus begins his prayer, he, the first words he says to the Father is, Father, the hour has come. I don't know about you, but at first I was almost a little taken back by that, maybe offended, because it almost, if you'll forgive me, it almost seemed out of place. Who is the son to tell the father what time it is? It would almost be the equivalent of, maybe you could relate to this, I don't know if any of you can imagine, uh, maybe your child or your grandchild coming into the kitchen and saying, Mom, Grandma, the hour has come for dinner. I don't know how you'd take that. This would be kind of like, oh, really? <laughs> and so as Jesus says, Father, the hour has come, it almost takes you a little bit back and say, well, that doesn't quite seem the same character. It's not Jesus, is he telling the Father what time it is, or is it that Jesus is so sensitive to, this is amazing, is he so aware of, is he so in tune with, I want to be this, is he so in tune with the Father that he can tell what the Father's timing is in his life? He can almost sense, he can discern, he can see the Father's timing in his own life. We see that really throughout John. John's big on that idea. There's all these times throughout John's gospel where Jesus is saying things like about time. Um, his mom comes to him at the wedding of Cana and says, hey, Jesus, here's your big chance. Hey, you've got all these people. Hey, show yourself off. And he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Always aware of timing. 
chapter seven. Uh, there's a feast going on in Jerusalem. His brothers come to him and say, hey, again, Jesus, this is your big opportunity. Hey, this is great. You could go down there, show off your stuff. Hey, really convince them who you are. And he said to them, no, my, my time has not yet come. Then you come to this final week leading up to the crucifixion, which actually is half of John's gospel, really, beginning at chapter 12 and beginning at chapter 12. And so in chapter 12, verse 23, he comes to the disciples and he says, the hour has come. It's like, oh, what changed? For two years, he's been saying, no, mom, my hour has come. Hey, brothers, no, my time has not yet come. Now he's leading up to the crucifixion and he says, oh, the hour has come. And I propose to you this morning, it's not Jesus determining the timing of his life. It is him yielding to the Father's timing for his life. Jesus did not set his own schedule. He did not determine his own timetable. He did not set the course of his own life, not for one single second, but I propose to you this morning that Jesus was just constantly in tune with and submitted, this is amazing, he submitted to the Father's timing for his life. I would propose to you this morning that even at this very second, Jesus is still yielding to the Father's timing. Matthew 24, 36 says, no one knows the day or the hour except my Father. And when, isn't it amazing that not only is earthly existence, but after the resurrection, Jesus is still responding to, yielding to, and saying, Father, not my will, but thine, even when it comes to timing. I want to be like that. Because I don't know about you this morning, I have my own issues on timing sometimes, don't you? I have my own ideas of timing. I have my own ideas when things should happen. I have my own ideas of the speed of which things should happen. And wouldn't it be amazing to say, Jesus, could I live as you? That's what he was saying, abide in me and I in you, just as I've abided in the Father and the Father's lived through me, hey guys, would you get into abiding in me? And, and Jesus, could I get so close to you? Could I be so in tune with you? Could I be so just open to you and discerning of what you're doing in my life that I could just be sensitive to your timing in my life and submit to your timing in my life instead of my own? Anybody open to that today? God, not only not my will, okay, God, I surrender, but it's quite another thing to say, God, I surrender not only the issue, but I surrender to, to your timing in my life. Sometimes the hardest thing is to wait. So Jesus yielded to the Father's timing. That's one thing we see in the prayer is when he says the hour has come, he's just sensitive to the Father's timing. A second thing we see in these opening verses of the prayer is is an interesting connection between two types of time. We see mentioned in verse one the idea of the hour, which is more of a, a window of time, a, a short period of time. For lack of a better idea, it's the now, the now. So he connects the idea in the prayer of the now, if you will, and the eternal. You see, in verse 2 and in verse 3, he mentions the idea of eternal life. So you've got these two dynamics of time happening that Jesus is bringing together in himself. You've got the now and the eternal. 
Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't always think about the connection of the now and the eternal. It's kind of like I've got these two things happening. I've got all these issues in my life that are now issues. Anybody got any of those today? I got all these now things, things that have to happen now. I've got lists that have to, I got responsibilities. I've got things that have to be taken care of now. And oh yeah, then there's the eternal. That's good too. Thank you God for eternal life. One of these days we'll all sing in heaven by and by. That's gonna be great. I wanna bring everybody I can with me. That's the eternal. But then I've got all this now stuff. But somehow in Jesus, he brings together the now and the eternal, the eternal, the now, and they're all, in Jesus, somehow when he took on flesh, not to mention the fact of his death and resurrection, it's like he merges it all. That the now is connected to the eternal and the eternal is connected to the now. That really has two incredible ramifications for our lives today. One of them is that you understand that everything that happens in the now, and by the way, we have a lot of stuff happening in our now. A lot going on in the now. But you understand that everything that God is doing in our now is for the sake of the eternal, amen? You ever think about that? Why are you doing this, God? Why is all this happening? What in the world? And by the way, everybody, you do believe today We really believe that we have a God that is involved in our lives moment by moment, amen? What's happening in my life today is not accident. We don't believe in coincidence. We don't believe in a deistic God that is the clockmaker. that yeah, he's out there and he cares about eternal stuff and he keeps the planets in orbit, thank you God, and all that kind of stuff. But then he just kind of set it in motion and here we are down here just kind of doing our best, little ants running around, doing our best in this world. And one of these days, you know, God occasionally shows up like he did in the Old Testament. And oh, that's great. We appreciate that, God. But in the meantime, it's just, we don't believe, you believe that he is ever present with us, right? And that he's involved in my now, right? I mean, what's going on here on the grounds today? God cares. And he's involved at home. And he's involved in your family today. And he's involved in the job and in my physical ailments, whatever I'm experiencing. And, 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 and what's going on in the kitchen? Pray for those folks. <laughs> And what's going on here in every de- God isn't God involved in every isn't God involved in every detail of our lives today in the now? Yes. And in connecting these things, the now and the eternal, the concept is that everything that God is doing in my now isn't just for the now, it's for the sake of the eternal, isn't it? He's shaping me, he's preparing me. He's working in me. Why? Because he has the eternal in mind. Everything he's doing is for the sake of what he wants to do in us forever. This isn't just a short-term deal. I love how Dr. Gary says, he's no Johnny come lately. I love that. This isn't just God flying by the seat of his pants, reacting to situations. No, he's got this plan. He's got this big plan. Wouldn't it be something to have the long view of God? God has a big view, you know. A friend of mine wrote a book and uh, he said, God, God has the parade view of our lives. You ever been to a parade? How many of you have ever seen on TV the Rose Bowl Parade? 
Have you ever seen that? When I was in college, this was my first year of college, two buddies and me decided it was a really smart idea. We got in his 1979 Ford Fairmount. We drove out to California from Illinois and we spent two weeks out in Southern California uh, during the holidays and stayed at my friend's house. And uh, we did all the bucket list things you're supposed to do in Southern California, you know, over the holidays. And one of them was the Rose Bowl Parade. Oh, this is gonna be great. So what you do is, in order to get a spot down there in the street, you gotta go out the night before. I'm serious. There are thousands and thousands of people out there on Colorado Boulevard or whatever on the night before. So, so you gotta go out, you gotta, you gotta you know, squeeze in there to get your, people bring their sofas out there, their recliners out there all night long, sitting on those sidewalks, cars driving up. You just kind of stand there, oh, this is fun, stand there all night long just to have your spot right up front to see, this is gonna be great, the Rose Bowl Parade. Finally, you're out there all night, morning comes, it's the Rose Bowl Parade. I've never been so disappointed in my whole life. Because when you're standing there on Colorado Boulevard and you're just sandwiched in between all these people and all this stuff, do you know how much of the Rose Bowl Parade you can see at one time? About 18 inches. This wide. And man, you can't see what's coming and when it comes by your 18-inch view, you better look real quick because it's going to be gone and you're not going to see it again. And I said, forget it. We're going to watch it at t on TV from now on. Because on TV, you get the blimp view. I love the blimp view. You get to see the whole thing all at once. That's God's view. See, so many times in my life, I, I got my little 18-inch view of life, you know, don't you? And, and I determine so much by my little 18-inch view. And I've, I say, God, this doesn't look good. Or, oh, God, this is great. And he's saying, John, I got this long view of things, right? And, oh, man, you don't understand. You, you, you got your little puny 18-inch view, and you're basing so much on your little puny 18-inch street-level view. And can you just trust me? and know that I have a parade view of your life, and man, I, I got this, and I'm doing something in you in the now that is preparing you for forever, and is shaping you forever, and a destiny for you, and all the people in your life that you can never imagine. So wouldn't it be something to start saying, okay, God, I got my 18-inch view, but I'm gonna surrender to you and your big view of my life. In fact, God, could you just kind of expand my view into your view? Help me to see as you see. Let me encourage you this morning, everything that's happening in your life in this 18-inch view, in this now, God is using and working in for the eternal. But secondly, if he's merged the now and the eternal, you understand that also means <clears throat> he's brought the eternal into the now. <laughs> Have you ever noticed when John, when Jesus talks about eternal life in, in the Gospel of John or in John's writings. Have you ever noticed how he always talks about it in the present tense? Whoever believes in him has everlasting life. You ever notice that? Look them all up. Look up John 3.16. Look up John 647, look up John 336. Look at John's epistles, 1 John 5, 12. He who has the son has life. You ever notice that eternal life is not this future thing? You ever notice that eternal life is this 
present thing. It's in the now. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When you don't have to wait around for someday for all that he is, you understand that eternal life is him, it's Jesus. Oh, by the way, eternal life is not a thing he gives you. It's, what he, it's himself that he comes to be inside of you. Eternal life's not a ticket to heaven. Eternal life is his very presence, his very life, all that he is. Isn't it an amazing thing? If anybody believes this, it's holiness, people. Everything that he is, he comes to be inside of me. And it's not someday he's gonna be that. It's right now. We get to have all that he is right now. No wonder the scripture talks so much about this abundant life. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. No wonder Paul says that he can do exceedingly more than all we ask or imagine, as Paul Alford would say, according to the power that works in us. No wonder Peter can say, we rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory. Why? Because we're not waiting around for someday. Everything that he is, we can have now today. Anybody who knows me well knows that uh, my favorite singing group is Casting Crowns. Anybody like Casting Crowns out there? Love casting crowns. Kylie's met Mark Hall, super neat guy. Uh, it's, it's just fantastic. And my favorite song, they're probably gonna play at my funeral, is Thrive. You know the song? We were made to thrive. Do you believe that? We were made to crawl along and one day we'll have eternal life. No. We were made to muddle along. We were made to just get through kind of an Eeyore, you know Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh, right? We were made to be Eeyore, get through, probably won't, I guess we will, we'll make it someday, maybe, hopefully, we'll get there, and we'll have eternal life. No, you have eternal life. All that he is, we were made to thrive, amen? Made to thrive. And that means if eternal is in the now, everybody, we don't have to spend our lives constantly looking forward to something, do we? Oh, I understand heaven's gonna be great. Everybody with me? Heaven's gonna be great, isn't it? We're gonna be reunited with loved ones. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. It's probably all-you-can-eat buffet. You know, all that stuff. We understand heaven's gonna be great, right? But we understand that we don't have to spend our lives, we are not missing out on anything. How many times in my life have I said this? That would be the life. You ever said that? Oh, that would be the life. Oh boy, if that could, oh, if, only if, if only, that would be the life. Wouldn't it be something if there's no if only? Wouldn't it be something that everything that Jesus is, that all of his fullness, that all of his abundance, that all of his joy, all of his peace, all of his living could be present in me today because he's brought the eternal into my now. One more thing about this time thing. This is probably the one that gets me the most. There seems to be a connection when Jesus uses that phrase, the hour has come. Now, if you study John and you go back to like chapter 12, <clears throat> he used that phrase back in 1223, as we said. Jesus said to them, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Then in the next sentence, he says, most assuredly, John 12, 24, <clears throat> unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He's talking about death. 
So in John, you get the strong notion that when Jesus talks about the hour, he's talking about his death. So there's this connection of time and the cross. So that in his, in his death, I, I don't know, I, I have no idea how to explain this this morning. I'm in over my head. This is above my pay grade, all right? We need Dr. Gary. But in his death and in his resurrection, Jesus did something to time and death forever. In simple terms, this is the best way I know to say it, he won. (laughs) Jesus wins over death and therefore over time because there's the connection between death and time. See, if we were never, none of us would wear watches. He won. He won over death and he wins over time. That's the strong message when Jesus reveals himself to John in the book of Revelation. And here's this, here's this resurrected Jesus speaking to John in the book of Revelation. And he says this in, John, in Revelation 1.17, you know this. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. He has the keys. I love hearing Ron Ron sing those uh, Steve Green songs. Makes me think of that Steve. I can't sing it, but he holds the keys, right? You know that? He's one, right? You know that? That Jesus this morning is the master of time. He's the master over death. He's the Lord over death. And therefore, he is also the Lord of and master over time. As a matter of fact, it's so clear in scriptures that God is even the redeemer of time. You've, you've heard that phrase, that sentence before in um, uh, it, later in the Old Testament, in Joel 2.25, that, that he, re, he restores the years that the locusts have eaten, right? He is the, he's the master of time, which is the only explanation for stuff in this prayer. We'll get to it another time. But down in verse four of the prayer in John 17, notice how Jesus says, this is, this is, this is almost ridiculous. He says, Father, I've glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work that you've given me to do. It makes me scratch my head and go, what? How is your work finished? Except because I'm I'm always fighting that. (laughs) You ever feel like your work is finished, anybody? You know there's something waiting for you at home, by the way. You know that even while you're at camp, there is a list forming at home. And yet Jesus says, I finished the work. Why? Because he's the master of time. It doesn't make sense to me. Because I don't know about you, I constantly fight time. Constantly. Anybody fight time? I feel like time is my nemesis. Time's my enemy. It's like I'm always wrestling. I'm always fighting it. When I was young, I wanted it to speed up. When I'm older, I wanted it to slow down. It's like I'm always chasing it. There's never enough time to get my work done. Anybody else? Amen. I'm always fighting traffic. Anybody here 
get stressed when you're driving? There's never enough. You can hardly ever leave early enough so that you're not in a hurry. Is there anybody here that is so, would anybody here confess this morning to driving fast even when you don't have to? I'm driving fast. 10 miles over speed Why? I don't know. I'm just used to it. It's a time, time. I, I, I need more time. Everything. Time. That's why we use Amazon. Amen? <laughs> Love Amazon. You get anything you want in a few days, but that's not enough. That's not enough. So you get Amazon Prime, which I do, and now you can get it in two days, and it really makes me mad when it takes three. Anybody else? Supposed to get into Amazon Prime. How about this? Anybody get, anybody get frustrated at slow internet? Isn't that just tick you off? There's no excuse for slow internet. Then there's the whole Walmart discussion. You know what the purpose of Walmart is? Get in, get out as fast as possible. It is, not a, it is not a recreational sport, people. Be at Walmart. Get in and get out. Getting my work done. Constant fight. Constant wrestling. Constant chore. How about the whole thing of comparing yourself to others? You know, time goes on, and, and there's this horrible thing called class reunions, and you go, and then it's looking at other people, your same age, and you're going, oh, wow, oh, look how good they look, and well, why are they in life, and look what they've achieved, look what I've... You're comparing yourself in time, fighting time, what... I'm, gonna, I'm at this stage right now, I gotta be honest with you, Trina and I are really just walking through this process, you know, we only got about a year, you know, less than a year left with, with our son at home before he probably goes off into military or something. And I gotta be honest with you, everybody, we're feeling that time. And so I'm saying, really, Jesus? Really, Jesus, you win over time. It doesn't, there's no way it makes sense, Jesus, that you're Lord in all those things in my life, that, that you're Lord over time and you win in time. Because Jesus, as far as I'm concerned, everything with time equals stress, anger, and fear, right? The whole world's going crazy, man. The whole world is time-stressed and afraid and road rage and Walmart and everybody's stressed, man, with time. And I feel all that in my life, man. Like time, I feel that with my son. Time's running out, right? And I say, Jesus, that makes sense. Really? You're the master of time? Well, it sure doesn't feel like it in my life. Really, you're in charge of all this? Really, God, you're in charge of time? But it didn't make sense for Jesus to die when he was 33. That sure didn't make sense. But he could say, Father, I have finished the work. That must mean something different to him than it does to me. Because you know, his victory, everybody, wasn't in what he accomplished. His victory was in his absolute surrender to and dependence upon the Father. That's where the victory is. The victory's in not what he got done in the list that he accomplished. Can't imagine the post-it notes Jesus would have had. I mean, I can't, it wasn't in how many things he did. It was in Father, 
you're in charge, this is your deal, you have the parade view, you know where you're going, and man, my, my job, Father, is to submit to you and respond to you and be sensitive to and open to what you wanna do through me, and Father, I have completely submitted and allowed you to work in my life, and folks, that's where the victory is. And that's what he came to do in our lives. That's what Jesus wants to do in us today. Anybody stressed about anything in your life? Anybody afraid about anything in your life today? And it's something that Jesus wants to be inside of us today. Everything that the Father is and was in him, he wants to be in us today, and he wants to handle it, and he has a plan, and he has a big view, and the, I gotta get this. This is for me this morning. Glad you could listen in. The victory this morning is not in what I get done the victory this morning is what he wants to do in his big view in my life. That's where the victory is. That's where the peace is. Jesus, all I can say, again, I don't understand it this morning, everybody. This is above my pay grade. This is way in over my head. But I do know this today. Jesus said to John, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. I don't get it this morning, everybody, but I can say this, Jesus wins, and I don't need to be afraid of anything anymore. No fear, no stress, he's in charge, just let it, could I this morning, let it be his. Whatever's going on in my life, Wherever I feel the stress, wish time would hurry up, wish time would slow down, not enough time to get it done, what's going on, stress, anger, fear, wouldn't it be something to just let it go, let it be his, and experience his eternal life now? We have so much fun with Christmas at our house. I mean... Christmas is a sport at our house. It's all about the, uh, I know you're not supposed to lie and stuff like that, you know, holiness and Lord. I know you're not supposed to lie, but we make an exception at Christmas, all right? And it's all about keeping, you know, surprise and all that kind of stuff. And my, my family is just genius at Christmas presents. I mean, I, I don't, they, they're amazing. We, we have the Christmas present hall of fame at our house. A couple years ago, Carrie, you know, I told you Star Trek, Carrie got Kylie this, uh, this pizza cutter. You know a pizza cutter? It's a Starship Enterprise pizza cutter. And you know, if you, if you know the Starship Enterprise, it's got that big, you know, the round part, and that's the pizza cutter. That's just genius. <laughs> Christmas present hall of fame. So this Oh, it was last year. I didn't even know I needed this, but my family must have seen it. So they got me this running watch. It's kind of like, you see Matt, Matt's walking around, he has that Fitbit, you know what I mean? You do know the camp president is counting his steps this week, right? So mine's not like that, but it, it's not a Fitbit, but it's, it's, it's a knockoff of that. So anyway, he got me this running watch. It's, it's an amazing thing, really, these, these devices. You may know that I spent my, uh, my teen years uh, in competitive running, high school and college. So when you're in competitive running, it is drilled in your head. You talk about time, time, 
Everything is time. You are evaluated by time. You're measured on time. Your whole future is about time, right? Everything. You're compared, you're rated, you're evaluated, you're ranked. Your whole personality, your whole identity is in your times. Gotta go faster, gotta be better. Gotta do it in time. I mean, this, that's probably where I got all this stress from. So anyway, time, time, time. It's just drill, drill, drill. Five years, six years into your head. Drill, drill, drill. It's all about to get there faster. Do it, do more in the same. See, it's all that just time, time. You're measured by time. Hurry, come on. More, better, faster, time. So here I am, middle-aged guy, and I just want to be healthy. So finally, you know, with my son, I'm getting back, you know, get back into running. But I got this, I got this mental problem. <laughs> For my whole formative years, all that was drilled into my head was faster, more, better, you're evaluating your time. So here I am, just this, you know, middle-aged guy just trying to go out there and be healthy, and yet all I can think about, I'm trying to just be out there, run to be healthy, and all I can think about is, how fast was that? You know, I probably could shave another minute off that, you know. I need to do better. Then on top of that, my younger sister started running too, and there's no way she's going to be faster than me. You know what I'm saying? So I got that in my head. Wonder what Wonder what five, I wonder what she ran for her, wonder what Jane ran for her 5K last week. I better, I better for sure, there's no way I'm gonna let her beat me on that. So all this, so then this running watch, this is an amazing thing. So you know the run, this running watch, like a Fitbit. So you put it on and uh, it does all kinds of amazing things. It tells you exactly how far you've gone um, as a GPS, you know. It tells you the pace that you're running, all that kind of stuff. You know, everything, how, you know, how much time you've been running, all that kind of stuff. But the best feature is, it keeps your heart rate. It keeps your heart rate. And uh, it knows, because you put in all these things, it knows what your heart rate should be. You should always do that when you're exercising, calculate the target heart rate. So it knows what your heart rate should be. So if your heart rate gets too high when you're running, it buzzes. So you're, you're kind of you're faced with two ugly alternatives. Either you could run too fast and die of a heart attack, or you could die of the electrical shock that, uh, anyway, this watch puts up. But anyway, so you're running, and all of a sudden your heart rate's getting too high, and it buzzes at you. So I, I've been, it's been retraining me, you know? It's been retraining me. So instead of running by time, what I've been learning to do is just, hey, go by the heart rate, kind of, which is way more relaxing. I don't have to worry about how fast, pace, how my sister did, whatever. I'm just kind of out there and it lets me know where my heart rate is. And so I've been learning this whole new approach of instead of running by time, which is my whole life, running by heart. That's a pretty good way to live. I'm gonna ask Grace to come and prepare and, and around to prepare. Wouldn't it be something to let Jesus, the Jesus who's in me, guide me by heart. <laughs> I'm always running, always gotta get more done. It's always about me, always faster, always more. How am I doing compared to others? Measure, evaluate my whole life, you know? Wanna be something to say, Jesus, you're in charge, it's all yours. 
I never need to be afraid again. No more stress because it's all yours. I'm yours and you're in me. And just, I'm gonna listen to you in my heart and run on the pace that you have for me. Wouldn't that be a way to live? I never need to be afraid again. What's there to be stressed about? Well, I'm not getting there fast enough. That's his deal. Well, I'm not getting enough done. That's his deal. Well, time's running out. That's his deal. Well, I wish time would speed up. That's his deal. Wouldn't it be something with my whole life to say, I am never on my own again. You're the master. You're the master of me and you're the master of my time. I'm sitting somewhere really stressed out going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get there on time. You're in charge. master of my time, not one thing out of his control. And the best thing about that is, if Jesus is master of time, that means it's never too late for that because he redeems the time. You say, oh man, I've messed up. Boy, have I been stressed. Boy, did I mess up this past week. Boy, have I messed up the past 10 years. It's okay. Do you believe this morning that God can redeem the time? He's the master. I am not in a race anymore, neither are you. Jesus wins. Can I ask you this morning, what's your fight against time? Anybody here this morning just grasping and wishing it would slow down? Anybody this morning painfully waiting for something to happen and wish it would speed up? You know, Jesus, can't you just beam me over across the timeline to somewhere? Where's your battle this morning? Where's your wrestling? Where this morning, can I ask, is your stress and your fear? What is it that makes you angry? What is it that stresses you out about time? Where is it you've been fighting in your life this morning? Can I invite you to something wonderful this morning that I'm gonna embrace with all my heart? Can I invite you to this this morning? Jesus is with you in your time. And he's the master of my time. See, everything he's doing in the now is for the sake of the eternal. And he's brought the eternal into this now, all that he is, abundant life, his peace, his joy inexpressible and full of glory, more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. Anybody this morning want to come and rest? No more fight, no more race, no more wrestling match against time, but Jesus, one thing I want to do, let it all be yours. I just want to draw close to you like you do to the Father, and I want to get your view of, my, of life, and I just want to be able to recognize and discern who you are and what you're doing, and I want to surrender to you this morning, this morning, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I can tell you this, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. He's already won. Anybody wanna come this morning while Ron leads us to an altar this morning and just say, Jesus, whatever I'm wrestling, you win. You're here, the eternal in my now. Be all that you are. I surrender it, I yield to you. Here I am, Jesus. And help me, give me a view of what you're doing now with an eternal view. The front seat's here. If you can't kneel or you could raise a hand this morning, you could stand or something this morning, but I got a feeling maybe there's somebody besides me this morning that needs to just know, Jesus, you win in my time. Would you join us this morning? 
and letting him be that while Ron leads us. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the how many of us maybe need to not be in a hurry to leave. Maybe just to dwell in God's presence. Maybe allow the Spirit to speak a little bit longer. Maybe to wrestle a little bit with the 
the place where time creates fear and stress and anxiety in our lives. It'd be a shame to miss this invitation because we're in a hurry to get to whatever's next. Because it's a, it's a life-changing invitation. We don't, we don't go a day without dealing with time, do we? God, help us. Help us to have hearts that are open and receptive to the good news. The good news that eternity has come into our now. God, we, many of us, need, need to confess before anything just how our now is so often out of whack and overwhelming any thought of eternity. We're pursuing a career, we're raising kids, we're taking care of health, we're, we're consumed with the now. We're so glad to escape away from Camp Psyker to get away from reality, and yet, God, you've invited us today to recognize that your eternal life is not something for later but for now. And that our now is not only the thing that can consume us in this moment, but the invitation to be prepared for eternity. It's going to pray that you'd help each of us to, to slow enough in these moments to hear you speak into our lives, to speak words of grace and vision, speak good news that would set us free from the tyranny of now, to set us free from the constant battle with time, to receive the good news that you have won and therefore we can win by the power of your Spirit in us. God, help us to yield to you the things that we need to yield, to trust you not only in the what, but in the when of our lives, to get so in tune with your Spirit that we can sense your timing for our lives. God, help us to move towards you and the freedom that you offer us as we surrender to your mastery over time, but even more particularly over our time. We trust you, God. We thank you for, for entering into our time and changing it forever. God, make this day a defining moment for many of us as we surrender and trust in this good news. I don't want to say amen because you might think this moment is over. So I'm just going to drift to my seat. And those that need to dwell, to stay in this moment a little while longer, to listen a little more closely, to wrestle, to talk with a friend, take time to do that. Receive the gift that God has for us.